Amen. Amen. If you're taking notes today, the title of the message, you see it there, is Beyond the Basics. Beyond the Basics. Beyond the Basics. And as I've told you before, as I said a second ago, that Jesus in this Sermon on the Mount, he is preaching to a lot of different people. He's talking to the disciples. Later on, we see he's talking to just in the crowd. He's also talking to some who are Pharisees and the religious leaders of that time, the teachers who knew the law, they knew the Old Testament, they knew the Ten Commandments and beyond. And this is the thing is that it's very important to acknowledge that because we recognize that he's talking to people who've been around God for a long time. He's talking to people who have been around the things of God for a long time. I say this all the time. I've been in church since I was one years old. My father got saved and my mama got saved that Sunday. And we've been in the island. I didn't miss about that many Sundays. Amen. Growing up, about the time I was 18, I probably missed five Sundays my whole life until I was about 18. Then I got grown. I said, I'm going to just skip a couple more weeks. Okay, guys, I'm going to go on vacation like y'all. But growing up, we rarely missed church. We was rare. On a, I mean, it was Sunday. My God, it was Wednesday. My God. They had prayer and choir rehearsal on Friday, my God. And on the first Sunday after church, we would go to the nursing home and sing, and then we would come back for Sunday night church. See, now if I say it right now, y'all, after this, we go on the street witness, and then we coming back for service at 7, y'all will be like, well, pastor, I think the Lord is calling me to a new ministry. <laughs> if I said we having service on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to pray Friday night, and then come back Saturday morning, we're going to feed the homeless. It might be me and my wife. Now, I, I got more faith than y'all. I think if Kimberly is standing, you know. But that's how often we were there. I, w- I was around the things of God for a very long time before I knew God. I was around the things. And some of you, just like me, you've been around the things. You, you were around a long time before you knew him. You were around a lot of services before you knew him. You were, I mean, you was around. You could even quote some scriptures, sing some song. Listen. But did you know him? And this is important to recognize because the very first thing that Jesus tells them, in other translations, he said, don't think that I have come. But I like the NLT because he says, don't misunderstand. Now, why would he need to say that to people who've been around God that long? Why would he need to say that to people? These are mostly Jewish folks. They was raised on the word. They knew the prophecies about Christ. They knew the commandments. They knew the festivals to go to and the feasts to have. He was talking to people that's been in religion a long time. But yet he has to tell them, don't misunderstand. Because it's possible for you to be around God and misunderstand him. It's possible for you to know some things about God and still misunderstand him. He said it's possible for you to be raised in the the church and still misunderstand the Lord. He said, it's possible for you to have some scriptures quoted and some things lined up and, you know, you know when to do whatever and still miss him. And he's talking to the crowd of a lot of religious people. And when I say religious, I'm not saying in a bad sense. I'm saying they've just been around for a long time. And he still has to tell them, before I tell you anything else, I first want you to not misunderstand. God, help us not be in a place where we know a lot about you and still miss you where we know a lot of scripture and still, I mean, have you ever missed God real bad? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Everybody said, no, pastor, I know. You ever missed God real bad? But, Oof, that won't God. I thought that was, I thought that was God. It won't. I thought he told me to go. I got in it. That won't him. That was my flesh. That was a bad dream. That was some bad pizza I had the other night, Chinese food or something that got me thinking that's God. That won't God. I got with them, thought that was God. That won't God. God didn't tell you to date them. 
Okay, nobody, anybody got quiet now. I ain't gonna say nothing. <laughs> because you can be around him and miss him. You can be around him and not know him. You know, I told you I grew up in church. You know, I preached my first message when I was 15. I preached the first message from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God be for us, who can be? That was the first message I preached in church. I was 15 years old. Do you know I started singing in the choir when I was five years old? I remember. I was a little boy. It was like a family church kind of similar to ours. It was, it was like three big families. And they, basically the whole church was in the choir. It's one of those type of churches, amen. But, you know, I remember being five years old, six years old. I was singing in the choir. I was leading praise and worship at the youth churches at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, right? But, you know, I didn't get saved for real time. I was about 18, 19. I didn't start really walking with God till I was, I was an adult. So what was I preaching at 15? I knew some things, but I didn't know them for real. I was in there, but I, how you, Lord Jesus, how you preach a whole message and you don't know them? How you lead other people in worship and don't know them? How I leave the party on Saturday night and then come to church on Sunday and on the worship team? Now, I know y'all ain't never done that. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Okay, we got one honest person in here. I could give you many other examples. I'll spare you to just to say, Jesus is telling them, you can be around me for a long time and still misunderstand. And this is the first thing he tells them. He said, before I tell you anything else, don't misunderstand. And Jesus goes on this. We keep it a moving. We're not going to be long today. He goes on in the passage and he highlights three things because we call this message beyond the basics. Because as we continue to read this, and we'll deal with this, you have to come back for part two, three, and four of this over the next few weeks. But as we'll see, Jesus will begin to challenge their religious teachings because he'll begin to say things like, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said like this, but I say this. And Jesus says, before I get, before I challenge your traditional thinking, before I challenge your religious thinkings, there are three things that we got to get down that are the basics that we're going to go beyond. And this is the first thing in verse number 17. He said, don't misunderstand why I have come. He said, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And this is the first thing that we have to first understand is that we have to understand the true purpose of Christ. We have to understand the true purpose of Christ. And he's telling this crowd, he says, don't y'all thinking I came to do away with the, with the law of Moses. And what he's referring to is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, known as the Pentateuch. He's also referring to all of those laws, even the writings of the prophets, such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, Zechariah, and Zephaniah. He said, Jesus is like, I didn't come to do away with that. I came to make sure that thing came to fulfillment. And what he's telling the crowd, he says, y'all see me, but you don't, do you even understand why I'm here do you even understand my purpose and I ask us and I begin to think about this for us as a church do we even understand the true purpose of Christ do we even understand the true reason for why he came do we understand why he is he, why he came and had to walk on this earth and I want to give you a couple of things of why Christ came because we need to understand and this is the first thing Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil we see this from 1 John chapter number 3, verse number 8. It says, when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. 
to destroy the strongholds of the devil, to destroy the places where the enemy has set up camp, not just in my life and in your life, but in this entire world, to destroy the principalities that have reigned supreme. He said, Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Y'all don't worry about no kids. Let them be kids. Amen. When they loud, I'm happy because that means we got kids back there. That's a good sign for a young church. Amen. To destroy the works of them. But let's keep going. He also came to call sinners to repent. As we see in Luke chapter number five, verse 32, he says, I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So he came to tell us, repent. Turn to God. That's one of the reasons why he came. This is the next thing. He came to reconcile or reconnect us back to God the Father. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. So he came to reconcile, to restore the right relationship with God the Father. This is the next thing. He came to be the offering for our sins. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse 21. It says, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And this is the last thing amongst many others, and that is to offer salvation to mankind. John chapter 3, verse 17. It says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him he said this is the reason christ came it wasn't just to have some nice stories in a book but he said he came to restore us to fulfill the word to reconnect us to god to offer salvation to everyone who is lost and to those who are lost he came to tell them you lost man you need to turn to god you lost you are on your way to a burning hell you lost you need to repent right now. You, the way you are going is a way of destruction. And when we know why Christ came, we know why we need to accept him as Savior. When we know, I'm going to say it again, when we know why Christ came, we then know why we need to accept him as Savior. And for those of us who are saved, because y'all may be thinking, well, Pastor, I'm saved. I got saved in 1986. I tell you, I've been saved for 35 years. I know you saved, but I want to challenge you that salvation is not just a one-time repeated thing at the altar but it is a continual work of transformation in our lives daily. And so Jesus says, I came to fulfill all of those prophecies about me, all of the words spoken. And because we're talking about the word, he says, one, we have to understand the true purpose of Christ. But this is the next thing. We have to understand the weight of God's word, the weight of God's word. Verse number 18, it says this. He says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail. Here, listen to that. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. All of God's word is purposeful, just like God. And when you read the other translations like the King James or others, the King James says, not one jot or tittle. Will, be, will, will, will pass away until it is fulfilled. And you know what a jot and a tittle is? A jot and a tittle, they're like two, def, uh, two explaining two different types of Greek um, notations. A jot is like the dot on an I, and a tittle is like the, the, you're making a T or something, that little line that goes down. He said, that's a tittle. A jot and a tittle. He said, not one dot. 
Not one line on this page is going to disappear until it is fulfilled. God says this is, you have to understand the weight of his word. Because Isaiah 51, 55 verse 11, he tells us this. He says, it's the same way with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. God said, my word, listen, God's word is on purpose. Remember that God created the entire world by speaking his word. In the beginning in Genesis 1, he spoke and said, let there be and there was. Let there be and there was. Let there be and there was. And can I even give you an encouragement that not only is God serious about his word over the earth and his word uh, written down in the Bible, but can I tell you that God is serious about the word he's spoken over your life? Can I tell you that God is serious? There is a weight to the word he's spoken. Every prophecy that he has spoken over your life, every dream that he has sent you and told you what he's going to do in your life, God is serious about accomplishing his word in us. And that is really the, oh geez, that's really the main place where the word needs to work. Before I work on Archer, God, I need to work on me. Before I work on Miss Trudy, Mr. R, God, I need your word. Before I work on the Rock Church, I need it to work in me. Archer just told you, my God, a testimony, and she found out she had the skin cancer. I said, and I stood up in that side and said, well, so do we believe God, Archer, or not? Do, do we, I mean, we preach it. I'm up here preaching every Sunday, you know, 40 weeks out of the year, I'm up here preaching. I said, okay, so either I'm going to believe this word, or I might as well close this up and go sit down and, and ask Mr. Tim, Mr. Tim, you the pastor now. Because I, 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 if we're going to stand up here and talk it. And me and Archer on the same page. I said, if we're going to stand up here and talk it, if we're going to encourage the people with it, then when life hits us, we got to believe it. We got to believe that there is a weight to this word. And there was a seriousness to this word. And we stood on it. And she's healed in Jesus' name. Thank God. She ain't going nowhere. Girl, we got stuff to do. You can't go nowhere. We got stuff. We got life to live. What y'all talking about? We got, come on now. We got more purpose. We ain't done. You better not leave me with these kids. <laughs> You ain't going nowhere. The devil is a lie. You shall live and not die because me and these kids, Lord Jesus. Can y'all imagine me and these kids by myself? God, I, Lord, y'all don't want to get in that. We got to live and not die up in here. We going to live. Now, when them kids grown, you know, but right now, Lord Jesus, let me get back into this. God is serious about his word. Every word he's spoken over us. He is serious about it. And this is the thing. This is so important, too, because I was thinking about this, right, how God is, is concerned about the details. You ever read your Bible, for those that read their Bibles, and you ever read a passage or something, and you'd be like, oh, God, what in the world does that mean? You ever read your Bible and been like, what's that about? God, why did you have to include that? that what, is, what, is, what does that even mean? Well, I mean, what's the purpose of that? And I thought about that as I read this and said, God said, every detail has got to be fulfilled every detail and Miss Trudy says this all the time I'm looking at her she always says God is concerned about the details he's concerned about the little things even his word so next time you're reading your Bible and you come across something and you say now God you could have kept that out I want you to remember this he said uh uh one jot one tittle and even in Revelation it said if anybody tried to take away from this word Y'all read your Bible. In Revelation, he said, if anybody tries to take away from this or add to it, there's going to be judgment. I'm paraphrasing. So God says, even through from Genesis to Revelation, he said, I'm concerned about every single detail. Because ultimately what Jesus is telling us and he's reminding us that all of Scripture is about Christ. Go and read every 
book of the Bible, and you will find a picture and a shadow of Jesus Christ in every single book. He says, all of my word is about Christ. And we have to understand the weight of God's word. Amen. This is the last thing. And we're wrapping this up. Not going to be long today. I'll be saying that. The last thing is not only do we, does he says you have to understand the true purpose of Christ. And you have to understand the weight of God's word. But he says, lastly, we have to understand the real requirements of righteousness. The real requirements of righteousness or right standing with God. In verse number 20, he tells us this. He says, but I warn you. Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He said, unless your righteousness is better than the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees. Now, this is very interesting. Why in the world, why he have to bring them up? What did they have to do with this particular passage, right? Why would he say that their right standing with God has to go beyond what they have seen the Pharisees do? Remember, I told you, the Pharisees were the teachers of the religious law. They were the leaders of the community. It was the Pharisees. It was the Sadducees. It was these different groups that were propped up as the elders of that time. And so why would Jesus go attacking their, their spiritual leaders right during that time? But remember who I told you he was talking to. He's talking to those who were taught the law. He's talking to those who knew the law. He's talking to those. They knew exactly who the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law were. But this is the thing about them is that they were known for being very hypocritical. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, the Sadducees even, they were known for being hypocrites. They were known for teaching all that good teaching and not doing nothing they was teaching. They were known for, 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 for adding to God's law, implementing tradition, making people follow tradition and not the word. This is what they were known for. They were not preaching. They were not living. Lord Jesus, I'll just say it like that. They was not living what they was preaching. He said, your righteousness has to go beyond the hypocrites. Your righteousness has to go beyond those who talk a good game but don't live it. The Pharisees did outward things that looked like they were walking with God, but in their heart, they were not trusting God by faith. They did the things that looked religious, but had no heart of transformation. And this was even early, later on, Jesus would tell them, he says, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees praying all loud on the street corner so you can be seen. He said, go in your secret place. He says, go and pray in secret and your father will reward you openly. But notice what he said. He said, don't be like them Pharisees. They doing that stuff to be seen. He goes on tell. He said, when you fast, he said, don't come in. He said, don't come into work looking all sad. I'm fasting today. My, I'm just fasting to get closer to God. He said, don't do that foolishness. He said, that's for show. He said, when you fast, uh, he said, put a smile on your face. You might be starving. Lord Jesus, I'm about to die. He said, smile. Put some lotion on your face. Put that cocoa butter on your face. He said, go brush them waves down and go to, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. All right, bless you. God bless you. <laughs> what he was saying, he said, the Pharisees, when they was fasting, they trying to look sad. Oh, coming in. Oh, or we just seeking God. You know, you, you got to say God or God and all that. He said, don't do that, fool. He said, that's for sure. He said, your righteousness got to be, uh, he said, it got to start in the secret place. 
behind. I like this. I love the poetry. He said, you got to get behind. I know y'all can see me, but you can't see me. You understand what I'm saying? He said, you got to go in secret. He said, he said, your righteousness is not for show. He said, your thing start right high. He said, your, your righteousness is rooted in something that nobody can see. And that's the reason you have the strength you have. It's not because of what we see. The reason you stand strong like you stand, it's not because of what I see you doing here on Sunday. No, I'm believing there's some people in here that if I found you in secret one day, you will be down there in your word. If I found you at your house one day, you will be down there praying. If I found you at your house, you will be fasting. No wonder you're so strong. No wonder you're so powerful. No wonder you can preach like you do because you got something that's not rooted in what man can see. And he says, he says, he says for the people watch, he said, your righteousness, it can't be for sure. He said, it ain't, it ain't for what nobody can see, but it's something that is rooted in secret. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, Jesus continues on. He says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of, of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, my God. He says, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones. My God, that word will chop you. My God, touch it clean off. And it said all sorts of impurity. Verse 28 says, outwardly you look like righteous people. But inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. And Jesus is telling him, he said, that's the Pharisees, y'all. He said, you got to be better than that. He said, Lord, don't let me get back in. He said, he said the inside filled with dead people's bones. What type of, my God, Jesus, listen, Lord Jesus, see, my God. See, Jesus know how to correct you. <laughs> Jesus is the best preacher ever. <laughs> he know how to chop your head clean off, as my dad would say, and then heal you up and then pray for you. But God, he know that word that cut you real deep. You ever had the word cut you real deep, <laughs> real bad? <laughs> my God. But Jesus is challenging the cross. He says, you guys got to be better than this. He said, not just an outward show, but an inward transformation. Later on in the, in the writings and the letters, the Apostle Paul was a prime example of this because the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. And what was he doing, if you read your Bibles, when the church began? He was persecuting the church. He was on a mission to kill the Christians and kill some of them. But he thought he was doing what was right. He was a whole Pharisee, knew about God but didn't know him until he was on his way to Damascus and the Lord showed a vision and knocked him off his horse and said, stop persecuting me, man. He was a whole Pharisee, a, a zealous about the law, as he said, but did not know God. But then you may ask, okay, Corey, what does our righteousness have to be like then? And we see this very plain. This is my last scripture in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Romans chapter 3, verse 21, I love it. It says this, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. He said, this is the real way of righteousness. Verse 22 says, we are made right with God and we receive our righteousness by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. He said, I want you to understand the real requirements of righteousness from beginning to end, will always be your faith in Christ. Your faith in Jesus. And we were singing about his name earlier uh, during worship. That is, man, that is, our, that is our foundation point. That is our starting point. You can't work your way into nobody's righteousness. We can't do enough. We can't, we can't serve the city enough. We can't do enough baby showers. We can't do enough good works to get righteousness. 
but we're going to preach this to the end. He said the real requirement, it's not an outward show. It's an inward faith in Christ. And Jesus is telling us, he said, these are the foundational, the basic things that we have to know so that now we can go beyond. Amen. 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 Come on, let's bow our heads and let's pray.